This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant, and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Ashley Watts will be here later from the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce, the state's largest business organization, closely watching the legislature and also the possible impact of coronavirus on business. That's later. But our first guest is well known to Kentuckians for several different reasons. First of all, he's a former governor who shook up Frankfurt when he brought a business-like approach and a personal flair to the state's highest office. But John Weibrand Brown Jr. is also known for some wild rides in business. He met Colonel Sanders and turned Kentucky Fried Chicken into a major restaurant chain known around the world. He owned the pro basketball team, the Kentucky Colonels, as well as the NBA's Boston Celtics and then the Buffalo Braves. Among his children is well-known national TV reporter Pamela Brown and former Secretary of State John Y. Brown III. Governor Brown being honored next week by the American Heart Association, and we just thought this would be a great chance to catch up. It's good to see hey, you. Very good to see Thank you. you so much for coming in. When you look back at that 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 great life and that that, that long resume and impressive uh, opportunities that you took advantage of, what do you think? Well, life's pretty good. I'm awful lucky too. I mean, to run into the Colonel, he called me. I was on a TV show in Louisville, Wave TV, campaigning for Ned Breath, that I was a state youth chairman. I was 29 years old. He called, wanted to hire me, and I said, "Girl, I don't think about real estate. I'm I'm sorry, you know." And I, I ran to him during breakfast, and uh, I said I felt guilty by not going by to see him. So the next week I went by to see him and changed my life. And I thought, oh my, I'm gonna find a seat around here. I mean, it just <laughs> looks too good to be true. And I found a person that uh, had the money to be my partner, and we had a great run. And, and uh, you know, we built 3,500 stores. We were in about 50 different countries at the time. Uh, I tell I tell people like yourself that I ran the company, but he was the company, Colonel Sanders. He was the real deal. I have great admiration, and, and uh, he's changed the eating habits of the world, Bill. Think about it, right here in Kentucky. Right, from the Corbin area, and then he No, he but he changed the, the way absolutely. people eat and carry out sure. and that all over yeah. the world. So. You had other chains, nothing as successful as KFC, but, no, uh, but you, it's a tough business. <laughs> right. I was going to ask you, restaurant business is tough, isn't it? Well, it is, but it's a people business. It's not so much about the food, it's the people that execute, because they all have recipes and methods of putting it together. And it's a tough business, especially now uh, with minimum wage and, and, and the cost going up and all these states' taxes are going up. and. Uh, it's a tough, uh, the margins aren't there today like they were. Uh, except for some chains, I helped put a young man in business named Ken Taylor that now has a $4 billion company, I'm so proud of him, uh, on Texas Roadhouse. And, uh, and they're just growing as probably the number one chain in the country. Governor, you're always optimistic. And something I've noticed uh, through all of my years of covering you and following you and all that, your sentences end on the uptick. You have a, you have a very positive way that you approach people. You once said that you pretty much learned everything you know selling encyclopedias. Yes, but also Norm Vincent Peale married Phyllis and I. And he wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. And I always, went, as a young person, uh, I learned not to worry. Uh, because words waste time. You either fix it and then forget about it, move on. And I've just conditioned myself. And as you know, as governor, we never had an argument with anybody. 
it's a waste of time. You know, you do what you think's right and move on. But uh, yes, and, and, and I learned really prepared me for everything I did, uh, selling Encyclopedia Botanica, and I can't believe I did it. Uh, but my mother had told me if we'd look for a job, you'll enjoy this. Uh, with a couple buddies of mine, and, and I got home in the backyard. She wasn't in a good mood that night for some reason. And said, uh, "Son, did you get a job?" And I said, "No, Mom." I said, "The only job we could find is down in Little Rock, Arkansas, at a dollar an hour at a peat factory." And under her breath, she said, "Well, you're not worth that." And boy, because I, you know, I'm at that age, wanting to please and do whatever. And, and I, I looked in the newspaper. I didn't know we'd get a job. I mean, I worked on a, a sold vacuum cleaners, a few little things. And so I saw in the ad, a little ad about selling Encyclopedia Britannica, and that changed my life. Because I learned how to judge people. You sit there for an hour, and you try to get them interested, and you watch the expression, you watch the reaction, you keep your credibility. And everything in life is about selling or communicating. So that sort of conditioned me about communicating with people. So a very successful run in business, and then you ran for governor of the Commonwealth of Kentucky in 1979. People, some of the older reporters still remember, they were stunned you came walking up with those papers to file. At the very last minute, you jumped in, you had uh, your then celebrity wife, Phyllis, at your side, uh, just a dazzling campaign. What did you bring uh, to the office of governor as a businessman in terms of a perspective that uh, that obviously you felt was needed? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had a great distrust. I mean, I'd watched my dad lose all those campaigns and, you know, he ran for governor, United States senator, and he was the one that motivated me in country war growing up. And uh, and so, I, you know, I thought about it early in life because all I heard from my dad, he talked to me about women and religion. He just talked to me about when you grow up, you go out and make a difference. and. And I had a great distaste for the corruption in government and, and the fact, you know, you go in, everybody hires all their buddies and whatever, and, and I wanted to change it. And I had that opportunity, and I was very fortunate uh, because government is business. Everything about it is a business. And you watch these Democratic candidates and want to give this away and that way, you got to pay for it. And, and we were the only state uh, of the surrounding states. We were back when interest rates 22 and inflation 20%. And uh, Ohio and, and th four, no, three of the surrounding states raised sales tax, corporate tax, personal income tax. We didn't raise any tax because I had people smarter than me. I mean, I was W.T. Young joined me as some of my chairman who uh, just brought the, the top people in the state. Yeah, you, pu you pulled people out of the prime of their business careers oh, to come absolutely. work for you in the governor's six office. Six or seven didn't draw a salary for a dollar an hour, but uh, and, uh, a dollar a year. But I was lucky to get the quality people. I think Phyllis was a big attraction. And, and we're so proud that the Current Journal said uh, they never wrote anything nice as they don't know how to do. And uh, the last editorial said that the Brown administration was wholly honorable. Can you believe that about a person in politics and had the greatest cabinet in Kentucky history and a good economy and a bad economy. So you take that. And, and that was it. And I was so proud of it. Never bragged on it. I felt uncomfortable back, and I've been so lucky, I don't need to brag on anything. When you look at Frankfurt and you look at Washington today uh, and you see the harsh tones and the, and the, the silo mentality of, of so many politicians who retreat back to their parties instead of uh, coming together to work on, on things, what do you think? Oh, I, I'm upset about it. As most of America is. It just turns your stomach to see this great country and, and, and the internal struggle of, of what kind of government we have. 
what are we supposed to expect? I mean, most people don't know because they're busy in their own personal lives. And it's very disheartening. I don't want to get into who and what, but uh, at least the Democrats, my son's up there working for Bloomberg, a high level position. And they're working 14 hours a day. They go in 8.30 and work to 11.30. And who knows, but he's a businessman and he's run something like that. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed my job, the easiest job I've ever had. Because it's the first time I didn't have to run anything. I had to delegate everything. Yeah. And I was able to hire people smarter than me, and that wasn't hard to do. And what's the governor know about building roads, or what do they know about the environment? But anyway. Let me ask you this. It was a good experience. Unfortunately, it hadn't been picked up. So Bloomberg was the second businessman that ever served in office, and then Romney did in, uh, in Massachusetts. We, uh, we live in a naturally beautiful state. Uh, we have these iconic uh, horse farms and these uh, great traditions, uh, but we have profound challenges in Kentucky as well. Uh, you know, we're a poor state. We're dogged by drug addiction, other issues. Uh, give us a little of that optimism. Uh, what? <laughs> well, there's no easy solution, forward? especially in the mountain, but we're doing a lot. We're trying to set up the internet to where, you know, we can do business and, and on a basis that's competitive. Uh, we brought in, you know, I had to think big because it's all about jobs. Uh, not a whole lot of governor. I don't think governor can do as much as the mayor because the mayor's dealing with everyday problems or with crime or street lights or they affect people's lives. Uh, but the governor mainly is how do you create an environment where you have the income to pay teachers and, and to build the kind of state you want to, like Tennessee had, where they had a different tax structure. We brought in UPS, uh, which is the largest taxpayer in Kentucky, and that's in Louisville, and they've done a great job. The mayors have there since we uh, we had them come in here. Uh, we laid the foundation of Toyota. Nobody knows that. I don't talk about it. Mark Lane uh, did the deal, but we're setting up. And the legislature, you'll get a kick out of this, wouldn't give me a budget to open office in Japan. And so I happened to say, well, what do I do? So I called the guy I hired for KFC, Lloyd Weston, that worked out here at IBM, a good friend of mine. And he'd already built 800 stores over there. And I said, Lloyd, you're in charge of economic development. And he hired the person that brought Toyota to the Collins administration and worked for Kentucky for 40 years. He just retired last year and brought in about 150 Japanese industries to support Toyota. An accomplishment. So we are. It's a hard, hard job, but that's important. We're here with uh, former Kentucky Governor John Y. Brown Jr. We're going to talk about uh, an award uh, that in, in honor that he's getting uh, later in the week. Uh, we'll be back with that and, uh, and wrap up with Governor Brown, and then we'll talk with the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce on some things they're watching here on Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. We're honored to have former Kentucky Governor John Y. Brown Jr. with us and we'll continue our discussion. He's being honored by the American Heart Association later this week and they really emphasize living longer, healthier lives. And you have quite a story. You were in, in the prime of your life when you had a, an unusual uh, heart issue in the 1980s, and uh, you didn't know where it was going. But you've changed, turned everything around. I, they've, they've honored me for being bad, okay? <laughs> and I, I grew up where exercise wasn't necessarily good for you. You might hurt yourself jogging. And there was a period of 20 years we weren't sure whether that really helps you or not. And about food, uh, uh, the supermarkets came out to try to teach us about healthy food with that god-awful taste in salad dressings that we had to try to adjust to. And we all thought, well, if it tastes like that, I don't want any part of that. So it took another 20 years for the public to be educated. And uh, so 
I'm honored to be uh, by the American Heart Association. They do such a great job. Uh, they've raised over $4 billion worldwide to educate the medical community uh, about how to better serve the heart and the problems of the heart. I wouldn't be alive today had it not been for all the technology that's been developed, and also how to live your life. And they're trustworthy. It's not just a government program. And I really admire what they've done. And uh, when I was in the UK, uh, I had a, a heart thing, and I didn't know what was wrong. And they took me to Frankfurt Hospital. I was there for a little birthday party for Lincoln. He was two years old. And we go behind, they say, you better rush to the UK hospital. And okay, all right, and I get in there and I think, well, I've got some real heart problem. I remember laying in bed, can you believe this? Thinking maybe I've had a heart attack. And I said, I wonder if I got time to step out and have a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> and from there on, uh, I was in the hospital and I had quite a 30 days I was in there and they didn't think I would make it. I was under the tent and I didn't get that last day. And then they came up with something they call ARDS, which they weren't familiar with. And W.T. Young, who's one of my, was my next door neighbor growing up and one of our great citizens of all time, uh, had his plane go out to Dallas and pick up Dr. Patty and fly him in here and help get me through. And I didn't realize it over, but only 37% of the people live with that, so I'm very fortunate. Well, you're now 86 years old, obviously yeah. sharp as a tack, as you've demonstrated in this uh, interview uh, right here. I'm sure you're very glad you turned things around. Well, Pamela, my daughter is right. on, on CNN as a White House, I wouldn't have known her dad. She was born four months later, and my son Lincoln, who I'm so proud of, would have never been able to have a dad. And he's the reason, he's the motivator, because when he was about 10 years old, he said, Dad, you're a lot older than uh, all my friends' dads. I was about 20 years older than most of them. And he said, you gotta be around a long time. And I remember, Billy, when, I was, when he was 10 years old, uh, he told me that, and then he put a, uh, uh, a dog fence into the kitchen where I couldn't get in to get my ice cream. I'd get up every night to go get me a big quart of, of ice cream. And then they started laughing and there hadn't been a week that he hadn't called me to go out and exercise and he's 39 now and he's the, he was the motivator. And I'll leave with a gal named Mary Ellen who taught Pilates, Pilates and yoga and knows all about health years ago. And she, she wanted me to bring in fast food. I tried to bring in fast food and put it in the fridge even fried chicken and she throw it in the garbage. And so they taught me, I've had a lot of help. Yeah. And I think part of this is to encourage others that life is important. It's something you can do no matter how old you are. I, we have behind me, I have Jim Host and Terry McBrayer, people in their 80s and 90s, Ted Bass who's 98, Foster Hogwarts who's 99, to be role models that life is great and you can live as long as you want to, just wake up and learn and the information's there. So we're, I'm very, Let's look forward to it. Governor Brown, thank you so much. Thank yeah, you, Billy. Always good to see thank you. Thank you, sir. Incidentally, Billy is the oldest uh, anchor in the history of Longest Lexington. serving. We'll Longest study. serving. <laughs> and, and I always enjoyed, Billy. I started young. Yeah. Governor, I appreciate you yeah. as always. We're coming back in just a moment here, and we will hear from Ashley Watts of the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce. Lots of things business is looking at right now. We'll be back. 
We welcome you back to Kentucky Newsmakers, and we're glad you're here. The Kentucky Legislature is still in session, and the people with the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce are hoping to see some help for business. They're watching uh, several issues and improvements, particularly in the state's transportation infrastructure. The Executive Director Ashley Watts is here, CEO, to talk about the priorities and how the global economic impact of the coronavirus could affect business in Kentucky as well. Ashley, welcome. I really do appreciate you coming in. Thanks for having me. And I guess that is the, the big elephant in the room. You know, let's talk about the coronavirus uh, scenario. And I know you're hearing from the businesses and they have uh, a lot of questions and concerns. We have in the last week or so, we really have started hearing from businesses where the coronavirus has not only been a public health epidemic, it now is an economic issue as well. And I think we just have to look at the stock market the last couple of days to see the dramatic drop in the stock market to realize at times like this, that we really do have a global economy. And so when you see schools and businesses shutting down in other parts of the world, that obviously impacts the United States. We've been hearing recently of conferences being canceled, of certain businesses not wanting their employees to travel. And every time this happens, which is really for the safety of everyone and their employees, it does have an economic impact. And so I think now that it's a couple weeks into this epidemic, we are really starting to see the ripple effects of the, the economy and how the other parts of the world really do rely quite a bit on the United States and vice versa. And as you said, we are so interconnected, but you really do come to realize the international connections that Kentucky has. We were talking about uh, international airports, mm -hmm. uh, certainly the hub of UPS, yes. and you've heard from them. Yeah, right? UPS, I think, spoke to their employees and kind of has a plan in place. Um, yesterday, I spoke to one of their employees, and so everyone really in business, especially if you travel, and Kentucky's a logistics hub, and so we really do have to think about this, but when you look at China and look at those Asian countries, you think of technology and healthcare and logistics, and they're all things that we here in Kentucky do as well, and so it does impact all across the board, no matter really what sector it is. And, you know, just uh, from the human resource standpoint of workers uh, being a, in a situation where they wonder mm -hmm. where this is all going and they have their concerns, I'm sure many of the businesses are concerned about the, those who work with them. It is, and it's interesting. We've started having this conversation recently, and, you know, in Kentucky, Yesterday, the governor announced there have been no confirmed cases of the coronavirus, but the flu, just kind of the old-fashioned flu, has hit a record mark this year and has really kind of become an issue. And so I think we're just telling businesses to make sure the simple things that we all know that sometimes we forget, use hand sanitizer, wash your hands. Um, if some need to limit travel, limit air travel, that's what they need to do. But really kind of those simple things that we know, making sure that we're practicing that as well. And then as the epidemic goes on, we will hopefully adjust accordingly and help provide some guidance to business during this time of uncertainty. And there certainly is that hope that it won't be as bad Absolutely. As, as some uh, could imagine it to be. Uh, how will you assist businesses? I know you're sort of ramping up right now and uh, looking for the direction you're going to need to take to, to help in uh, giving advice or, or any right. uh, other way you may be able to support them. I think right now we're just kind of looking at what the chamber does best and that's really connecting people and so making sure that we have that open line of communications to our business businesses and if they need assistance in certain areas that we can connect them with other groups or other um, members to really assist them through this epidemic but also maybe put out some guidelines for safety um, working with human resources experts etc to really make sure that everyone's protecting their employees through this time through the best safe safe practices. I know you're watching the legislative session that is uh, going on as well there's really a lot to keep uh, your eyes it on is. right now and uh, really a lot of moving parts there in Frankfurt at the moment uh, 
there are some pieces of legislation that you had hoped to see mm -hmm. passed that may be stalled or may be about to move. I know sports betting was mm -hmm. one that you had uh, uh, had been behind, and uh, you continue to make a push on that, right? We do. So we just kind of crossed the halfway mark of session, and I've been doing this long enough to know that sometimes during the middle of session, things slow down, and then toward the end, things get unjammed and can pass fairly quickly. So we are still very optimistic about a couple of our key priorities, one of which is sports wagering, which has huge support across the state and huge support among the members of the business community in Kentucky. For many of them, it really is a no-brainer. Um, it brings in some money to the state coffers and also makes us more competitive. And then also infrastructure investment and increasing that infrastructure fund um, is really the top priority for the Kentucky Chamber and the entire business community. And we're hoping to see some action on that soon. And let's talk about that. Transportation, uh, you say it is very important to the economic vitality to the state. And uh, we have, uh, you know, some will say, well, the roads seem okay, but we really have uh, some uh, uh, structural deficiencies out there. We absolutely do. We, we've been graded recently as a D plus in our infrastructure when you look at the infrastructure across Kentucky. And so we obviously need some improvements. And currently, we do not have enough money in our road fund, which pays for all the improvements to our roads and bridges, et cetera, to even maintain our current system, much less invest in anything new. So there will be no new roads, bypasses, et cetera. We really don't even have enough money to take care of what we have now. And so most states around us have increased that gas tax, that infrastructure funding, and we really need to do the same this session to make sure that we can remain competitive, especially with our surrounding states. And business is generally behind it, even though it is a, it's a tax increase. It is. I, I often say, normally you will not have the Chamber of Commerce say our top priority is a tax increase. But on this one, it really is a consumption-based tax. You know what you are getting. You are going to drive on the roads that you are paying for. And for us, I said for businesses, it's the one issue that really unites all business leaders, small, large, no matter rural or urban. We all know how important infrastructure is, especially in parts of rural Kentucky. We often say um, jobs cannot get there if they physically cannot get there. And so I think we all know the importance of having a strong infrastructure system. And we have several weeks of session left to make that a, make that a reality. I know one thing that uh, fractures your membership a little bit more is this issue of uh, flexibility for cities in terms of uh, uh, their revenue. They're saying right now they have nowhere to go to mm -hmm. capture uh, additional revenue, and yet more people live in cities in Kentucky than ever. They're being asked to provide uh, services, and uh, there are various proposals to mm -hmm. allow them to have a restaurant tax, uh, to uh, allow them some flexibility, maybe even a a sales tax for a temporary period of time. Right. And we've always been in favor of giving localities kind of the flexibility to set their own destiny and to set what works best for them as long as we remain competitive. And so right now we are vetting this issue. We have a broad base of membership from rural to, to metro, a large business, small business. And so we're taking it through the process that we use to make sure that we kind of have the strong voice of the business community on this issue. Um, so we don't have an official position yet. We probably should in the next couple of days, but it is something that many of our businesses think could be the answer to creating a more competitive tax base here in Kentucky. And then some of our businesses worry that will it really make us more competitive or will local governments just want to increase taxes to help pay for rising pension costs, etc. So I think there are various arguments on this issue, but the good thing about our process is we let everyone kind of be heard and then take it up. And so we should have a position in the next couple of days, but I do think the 
the intent behind this bill and the reason that people are pushing it and the legislature is strongly behind it is to create a more competitive tax base here in Kentucky. The opioid crisis still profound, uh, still having a, an impact on social and human services and on business. Right? Absolutely. It's been one of our top issues the last couple of years. We have a whole opioid response program that you guys have featured here on KYT several times. And this session, there are a couple bills moving through the system that really could make a big impact on helping people get their lives back on track once they are out of incarceration or out of recovery. Um, we have one bill in the Senate that the chamber is kind of leading the charge on that is helping employers make it a little bit easier for them to become second chance employers and look at that liability and make sure that they're comfortable doing that. So it's kind of an all hands on deck approach and so we're looking at any way that we can make it easier for people to get back into life and get a job and get back on the right track and also make it easy on employers who want to do the right thing and be that second chance employer. We may all have to be uh, sort of reframing our thoughts about uh, the economy right now nationally and, and locally with what's happening mm -hmm. with the coronavirus and the concerns and the drop in the stock market and so forth. But overall, what would you say about Kentucky business right now? You know, up until a week or so ago, I guess when the coronavirus hit, we were saying that the economy is good here in Kentucky. We have a record number of job investments. We have a record low number of unemployment. So things are going well here in Kentucky. However, the last week, because of the coronavirus, we have seen some dips in the stock market. That also has a trickle-down effect, but I do think the good thing about having a strong economy like we've had is that it's very resilient. And so we've seen things like this before, and we've seen us bounce back from them, and we're hopeful that through all of this, we will keep all of our citizens safe, our employees safe, and then bounce back from this. Does our diversity of, a, of an economic base, which has increased some in recent years, uh, help us some? I think it does. We are a logistics and manufacturing state, and so when you look at that, we are dealing with a global economy and those kind of issues. So I do think it, w it could impact um, Kentucky. One good thing is, is we're kind of one of the middle states, and so that sounds kind of silly, but we're not on the coast where some of those, you know, those major airports are coming in. And so sometimes things take a little longer to get here than on the coast, and so that is is something that we have toward our advantage and Kentuckians are nothing but resilient and I think we're all looking at how we can get through this with the least amount of damage. If people want to contact you at the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce, what's your website is the best way to do that? Absolutely, kychamber.com. All right, Ashley Watts, thanks for coming by. Thank you for Keeping having us me. up to date and uh, hope we get through some of these uh, matters, all right? Yes. All right. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll see you bright and early this week on WKYT this morning. We start at 4:30, so we're up with Europe and we hope you make it a good week ahead.